begin this message, I've got to give you the background story of the, um, the nation of Israel. We've been dealing with the Judah, they're the southern kingdom. Those are the kings, and of course, we, we did go over Ahab. He was from the north. He was from the northern kingdom of Israel. But I need to just give you a background. We're not going to talk, uh, read it this morning, but you need to know at this point in Israel's history, the northern kingdom, the northern kingdom called Israel, has fallen to the Assyrians. They have gone back to being slaves. And isn't that something? God delivered them from Egypt. He delivered them out of slavery. And now they've disobeyed God. They've broken His laws. They've, they've pushed God back. And now they're right back into being slaves. The very thing God told them not to do, they did. And so the very thing that they were delivered from is now where they are at. I need to encourage you today to keep the presence of God in your life. Now the southern kingdom, the known as Judah, they are still hang, hanging out. And one of the reasons why they're still hanging out is because they've had some godly kings in their history. And King Hezekiah, as we'll be reading today, is one of those kings. But they had experienced uh, kind of a fallback. They experienced a difficult time in their history to the point where the temple doors had been shut. And the temple doors and the temple itself represented the presence of God. It was the glory of God. It was the hope of Israel. It was the strength. The temple represented the power of God. It was the deliverance. It wasn't Moses' leadership. And it wasn't their new, brand new army. And it wasn't that they were millions of people. It was the presence of God that took them out of Egypt. It took them through a, a, the Red Sea. It was a miracle of God. And that's what that temple represented. And by shutting those doors, they were shutting off the power of God, the hope of Israel. By shutting the doors, they were shutting down the, the encouragement that came from the presence of God. I shared with you last week of a story of a, a young woman named Jehoshaphat who saved King, the future King Joash by putting him into the presence of God, the one place evil could not conquer, the one place evil could not steal away. It was the presence of God, and in the presence of God, Joash was safe and secure. And I can tell you today, the same is true for you and I today, that we are we are safe and secure in the presence of God, and we may, may, may we never shut off His presence. May we never shut the doors of His presence to our life. May we never close this book in the days of our lives. May we never shut down our prayer life because it's the prayer life and the Word of God that opens up the presence of God. It opens up the power of God. It opens up the hope of the Lord. That's why we are praying for Ukraine. That's why last week I shared with you, evil does not have the last word. You and I have the last word in the matter, not because of who we are, but because of what is inside of us, the presence and power of God, the, the word of the Lord. Don't ever shut the doors of God's presence in your life. It's God's presence that holds back evil. It's God's presence that releases joy, that releases in the midst of grief. It's the presence of God that gives strength. 
in the midst of sadness and depressions. It's the presence of God that gives light and gives a path to victory. And so we're thankful today for King Hezekiah that noticed the temple doors being shut. And so in 2 Chronicles 29.3, it says this, verse 3 says, In the very first month of the first year of his reign, Hezekiah reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. It was priority number one. It was job number one. It was his greatest desire to open up the presence of God. It was what was number one in his mind, and it was the very first act as king that he went to do was to open up the presence of God. I pray that that is your daily life, that that is the desire of your heart, that you recognize and that you acknowledge when you wake up in the morning that the breath that you have didn't come from you, didn't come from a, didn't come from a, a some type of explosion in space, didn't come from a big bang, didn't come from anything that was just an accident, but the breath that you have came from God Almighty. You are a living and breathing human being because God breathed a life into you and you have an eternal soul inside of you, that you have a spirit inside of you because it was given by God. And I pray every morning you wake up and you say, Lord, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I'm going to praise you, Lord. I'm going to come into your presence. Because the presence of God is where we're guided. It's the presence of God that guided the Israelites. by a, it was The Bible says it was a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of a cloud by day. It was the presence of God that guided the children of Israel. Do we need guidance today? Do we need God's help today more than ever before? Yes, we do. We need God's help. We need His strength. We need Him to guide and direct us. We need Him to be the shepherd of our life. We need to open up the presence of God in our life. And I pray that you are opening up His presence into your life. And the next thing that uh, King Hezekiah did, it wasn't just enough to open up the presence of God for him. Because he needed that. He recognized as a king of Israel, if he was going to be successful, if he was going to lead the children of Israel, he needed the presence of God in his life. He couldn't do it on his own. He couldn't do it by himself. He needed the word of God and he needed prayer in his life. He needed the presence of God in his life. And I hope you know, you're no better than the king of Israel. I'm no better than King Hezekiah. So if he needs God's presence, so do I. So do you. We need the presence of God. But King Hezekiah did not stop at just opening the doors. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 1 says, King Hezekiah now sent word to all Israel and Judah, and he wrote letters of invitation to the people of Ephraim and Manasseh. He asked everyone to come into the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover of the Lord the God of Israel. Once King Hezekiah opened the presence of God, once King Hezekiah began to experience the power of God again, once King Hezekiah recognized, ah, 
That is what I was missing. Oh, that is what this nation needed. Ah, that's where I find hope. That's where I find encouragement to wake up each morning. It's the presence of God. Once you begin to experience the presence of God, He had to invite all people. He had to invite the entire nation of Israel to the presence of God. He remembered that this is where Israel found its greatest power, its greatest hope. It's in the presence of God. And he had to invite everyone to that, including the people of the north. Now, here's the picture. You've got to picture this. So, first of all, we have a history here in America of a north and a south. We have that history. And so we can use that to understand what's happening here. First of all, what's happening here is that you have two nations that were going in two different directions. The northern nation of Israel wanted to follow their ways. They didn't want to follow God anymore. But the southern, the southern kingdom, Judah, wanted to follow God. They wanted to serve Him. And they were going in two different directions. And this morning, I'm believing and I know it today that in our world that people are going in two different directions. And I pray that we're going in the right direction, that we're going in the direction of God's presence and of God's love and hope and peace. And as we do that, I pray that your prayer is that we will bring people into the right direction. So you had two nations. You had the northern nation of Israel who was coming back full circle, sad to say, to slavery. They've rejected God. They've denied God. They've rejected His kingdom. And now they're coming back full circle to becoming slaves. But Israel, in this time in their history, they are celebrating the freedom that they had from slavery. For that is what the celebration of the Passover was all about. Passover was about celebrating their freedom from slavery. That God had delivered us and He had given us now our own land. So you have two nations going in two different directions. But King Hezekiah wanted that northern kingdom to celebrate with them. He wanted them to experience the power and the presence of God. And he wasn't demanding, he invited them. And I believe you and I can be just like that in this day and age. I'm not asking anybody to drag anybody to church. I'm not looking to making people feel bad and, and calling people evil and oh, how despicable you are. No, I believe we can be inviting people into our lives. And we can be loving and caring towards other people. He wasn't demanding. But this verse points out that he was inviting people from Ephraim and Manasseh, people from the northern side of the, the, the north, people from the north, the northern kingdom. What a bold step because there was much bad blood between the two nations. But King Hezekiah wanted to set aside all of the bad blood and he wanted to still invite them in. Are you ready to lead anybody to Jesus? Are you ready to be the love of Christ to anybody in your life? The children of God are people who are peacemakers and we set out to love all people. And I pray today that you are somebody who's willing and ready to lead people to Jesus no matter who they are, no matter what they're going through, no matter what they stand for, no matter what they believe in and what they don't believe in, that you are somebody who is willing to invite them into your life. I have to give you the full story of what happened. So King Hezekiah, he invites them, he 
invites these people who have been against them, weren't for them. They had another king in their lives. They were serving somebody else, but he still invited them into this, into the presence of God. And this is what happens in Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 10. It says, The runners went from town to town throughout Ephraim and Manasseh, and as far as the territory of Zebulun. But most of the people just laughed at the runners. Imagine it was at this point that some of the guys around King Hezekiah were like, I told you so. I told you don't invite those people from the north. I told you they're they're not with us. They're different than us. They don't think like us. They don't act like us. They're not us. We've separated ourselves from them. Don't invite them. King Hezekiah said, no, it's the presence of it's the love of God being expressed. It's, it's not my presence. It's God's presence. We need to invite them. But I'm sure it was definitely a moment, maybe, that he definitely paused. Like, man, why did I do this? But he recognized today that God did not separate people. People separate people. People divide people. But God does not divide us. God, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is almighty and He all loves us all with all of His heart, soul, and mind. And Hezekiah had that understanding even in the New Testament, in the, in the Old Testament. He loved people. And he understood something, that there was, there was just something special about inviting those who weren't inviting to you. Tara's youngest brother, uh, Jacob, he sang with us uh, during the Christmas season. And if you remember him, that's, that's who he was. But Jacob is one of the kindest and nicest guys I know. He's funny. He gets along with everybody. And everybody gets along with him. But Jacob one day met a young kid who he had to kind of work with. And this kid pushed every button to Jacob's life. To the point where Jacob was like, I know this is a test. Because Jacob gets along with everybody, literally everybody. But there was this kid, he was just constantly pushing his buttons. And he said, okay, I'm going to spend even more time with this kid. And Jacob did. And he experienced a love of God that he had never experienced before. Do you know that sometimes if you really want to know the love of God, you're going to have to love somebody who's unlovable. You're going to have to reach out to somebody who's maybe just gets underneath your skin. If you really want to know a depth of God's love, reach out to somebody who everybody else considers unreachable. Who everybody else considers, not in my circle of friends, they're not coming in. And begin to love them and choose to serve them. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 46, if you, only, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even tax, even corrupt tax collectors do that much. You know, in this church, I love that this church has home groups. It's wonderful. It's powerful. Uh, obviously, we're a part of a home group. 
and I love that. I love the, the friendship. I love them. You know, last night we went out to dinner with some of those in our home group. It was it was enjoyable. That's that's what we we do life together. And I love those people. And I know everybody in here would say yes. I love our home group. So if you're still not a part of one, uh, let me know. I'll get you connected to one. It's it's a joy. It's a privilege to to develop friendships and to do life with each other. We should love those moments. But it's possible that we're missing out on a blessing of God if we only love those people who love us. If we're only spending time with those people who we enjoy, I think we're missing out on a blessing that Jesus is pointing out in Matthew chapter 5, verse 46. And let me encourage you, let God lead you. Of course, I have ideas, I have thoughts. If you don't have any, I can give some to you. Because, yes, we do need to be careful. There are people that you should avoid in life, absolutely. But that doesn't mean you cannot pray for them. I believe you can pray for anybody, and we should pray for everybody. Let God lead you in this thought, but let Him lead you. Let Him lead you to people who are unlovable. Let Him lead you to people who might insult you, who maybe have laughed at you. Hezekiah did it. We can do it too. And let's look at what Hezekiah does. And um, this is so interesting because it's possible, again, like I said, that there was people around Hezekiah that were like, I told you, why did you invite them? Why did you do that? Why did you waste time writing all those letters, sending out the couriers to deliver that message, and now they're just laughing at you, Hezekiah? But what did Hezekiah do? What was Hezekiah's response? 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 24 says this. This is how Hezekiah responded. King Hezekiah gave the people 1,000 bulls and 7,000 sheep and goats for offerings, and the officials donated 1,000 bulls and 10,000 sheep and goats. Meanwhile, many more priests purified themselves. The entire assembly of Judah rejoiced, including the priests, the Levites, all who came from the land of Israel the foreigners who came to the festival, and all those who lived in Judah. There was great joy in the city, for Jerusalem had not seen a celebration like this one since the days of Solomon, King David's son. Then the priests and the Levites stood and blessed the people, and God heard their prayer from His holy realm. your natural response. I know what my natural response is, is to walk away. I'm done with that person. Here I am trying to help somebody, and they're mocking my love to them. They're laughing at me. I'm shutting it down, right? That's, that is our natural response. But what did King Hezekiah do? Did he shut it down? No, he, 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 he allowed his invitation to remain open. He allowed the doors of Jerusalem to be open to those who had laughed at him, to those who had mocked him, to those who had insulted him. He still kept the doors open, and still there are people who came that day. And think about it. Obviously, these are people, and maybe they were the ones who laughed, and they just wanted to come and see. Who knows? But there were people from the north who came. But this is the point that Hezekiah could have been offended. Could have got 
mad and he could have received that offense and said, shut the doors to those people from the north. And those people from the north who were broken, they had just, they had just lost their king. The Assyrians had just come and ransacked their land. They needed help. They needed love. And Hezekiah knew that because he wasn't easily offended. Those people still came into the presence of God. So let me share this with you. Hezekiah did not allow an offensive spirit to stop him from giving. He still gave. He still kept the doors open. He didn't allow an offensive spirit to stop him from doing that. This morning, I just want to, as I end this message, I just want to lay a quick foundation of next week. I'm going to finish this idea about being offended. Because you and I live in a world and a day and age where we are easily offended. We easily get offended by people, by circumstances, by God himself. We, we become so easily offended when people do something to us. And, you know, the majority of the time, rightly so, that you're offended because people uh, can be rude sometimes. We can be short sometimes with people. We can be filled with anger and have a bad response sometimes to people. And it's possible that people are offended. And we're dealing with offense all the time. And if you're not, you must still be at home going nowhere. Because if you're out anywhere, we are constantly being offended. I want to encourage you today to be a person who cannot be offended. That might sound a little ridiculous, especially when I share this definition with you. So offended, what does it mean? Offended, feeling or expressing hurt, indignation or irritation because of a, of a perceived wrong or insult. You're asking us to be a robot. What do you mean I can't be offended? There's no way I can live that way. And I would say first this, that I'm not asking you, and it, is, it would be impossible to get rid of your feelings. We are going to be hurt, and we're going to feel hurt. That's going to happen. We're going to feel frustration. We're going to feel anger. We're going to feel like, oh, really? We're going through this again? I can't believe this. We're going to feel those things, absolutely. But we have a choice on how we express our feelings. And that's where I want to encourage you. That's where I want to build your faith. That's where I want us to become like King Hezekiah. And I want us to say, King me, Lord. King me with that ability like Hezekiah. King me, God, with that ability to not be offended. King me so I keep the doors of my life open to people. Because I've been around people who have said, I'll never let that person back in my life. I'll never let those people, or I'll never let that happen to me again. And I understand that point. And there's instances where you do need to use wisdom to make sure you're not being abused. But there is a point in our spirit that we say, no, I'm not going to be so offended that I close my heart off to people that I can't even pray for. I shared that story with you before about my mother who was obviously offended by her father who abused her mother. That she couldn't even pray for her father until one day when she's married to my father, he notices that she's not even praying for her father and he challenges her. And she begins to pray for her father. By the time I become a kid, I have a grandfather father in my life. Yes, many times we're picking him up 
from the alleys from being drunk. And yes, we were, you know, we saw what he was doing, but I was in his life and had the privilege of leading him to Jesus Christ on his deathbed. Why? Because my mother began to pray for him. in heaven with my grandmother enjoying the presence of God. Being easily offended. Listen to this. If I refuse to be offended, then I return the power to God to him. If I refuse to be offended, I return the power to speak into people's lives. You see, somebody that does me wrong if I fight fire with fire, I lose the ability to help them. If somebody, you know, curses me out and I curse them back, I have lost my ability and the power and the right to help them. And that's an extreme example because you can take any example of offense. And the moment we allow ourselves to be offended, we lose the ability to help somebody in our life. One of the biggest places that this can happen is in our home. Those that we love the most. I used to talk about, I don't know if I ever uh, preached this, I remember as a youth pastor preaching the spirit of familiarity. You know when Jesus said that when he was in his own hometown, uh, that a prophet is only rejected in his only in his hometown. The people were so familiar with Jesus that they couldn't even see his power. Sometimes the people that are the closest to us are the ones that we can be so easily offended by. So this message this morning is something you can put into practice before you even go to work. But by not being offended, you return the power to God. Does our country need peace? Yes. Should not be offended. Does this world need peace? Yes. So do everything in your power to say, God, Help me today to not be offended. Because what is happening in this world today is that it's filled with people who are offended and they're hurting each other and it's a vicious cycle that goes on and on. You offend me, I'll offend you. And I'll offend somebody else and they'll offend you. And then it keeps going on and on until you and I decide we're going to have the last word in this matter. We are going to decide what happens. We're going to decide where this offense and this offense is going to stop and it's going to stop it's going to stop with me. I'm going to stop being offended, and I'm going to start allowing God to heal people around me. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up at this time. Being offended is so easy. Anybody can be offended. But it brings death. Not being offended, and that takes work, but with God's help, you can do it. You can do it. Do you think you'll shine like the light that Jesus asked us to shine if you'll not be offended? Absolutely. You might be the only person at your job tomorrow that walks in there with this idea, I am not going to be offended. God help me. Because yes, we can't do it on our own. We can't do it with our own strength, with our own wisdom. We need God's help. We need the presence of God. When we open up the presence of God, when we open up those doors, We'll be able to invite anybody in. We'll be able to invite people that we never thought was possible we could invite into your life. 
Moses says that God heard their prayers. God heard their prayers. That's why we have to continue to live this life. Because I want God to hear my prayers for the people of Ukraine. I want God to hear my my prayers for the people in Chicago. Constant murdering that's taken place. We're just not hearing much of it right now because of the war and because of the gas prices. But there's still people dying in the streets of Chicago. And here in Lamont and Lockport and Bolingbrook and in the areas around us, we don't hear about it. But there's people that are hurting. I want God to hear my prayers for them. So God, help me. Help me not to be ashamed. Would you stand this Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. You'll speak to our lives, oh God. Lord, we open up our hearts to your presence. Just like King Hezekiah, the presence of God made him a king, a godly king, a king that was able to do the impossible. And that was to invite people who were not like him, people who would laugh at him. He was able to take an insult as the king of Judah. He was able to take an insult and still be a giver. And by that, Lord, you heard his prayers and you answered them. Oh, Lord, let your presence come now as we worship you, as we praise you, as we honor you, as we give you the highest praise. Oh, Lord, may you hear our prayers for our world. May you hear our prayers for the communities around us as we come into your presence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord.